Good morning, my darling, I'm telling you this To let you know that I'm sorry you're sick Your tears of sorrow won't do you no good I'd be your doctor if only I could What do you want from the liquor store? Something sour or something sweet I'll buy you all that you barely can Welcome back to the podcast, Tam. Thank you, Chris. Welcome to my house. I loved, I loved that song you just played. What was that all about? Uh, I so I this is not the type of music that I generally listen to, but when I when I ask the Google HomePod to play music for my children, I go with like classic rock and blues and stuff. And um, my Discover playlist on Spotify has been sort of uh, pulled into the gravity of those selections. So I don't listen to it a ton, but I did give it a listen today and it put some like amazing music on there for me. And uh, that, that track really stood out. That was a really cool song. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but it also uh, stood out to me because uh, we are very lucky uh, uh, for this episode of the podcast to be interviewing uh, the enigmatic uh, and uh, mercurial uh, Carlo uh, AKA Mondesi fucking hamstring IELTS, something, something or other. Um, and, uh, we, we know that Carlo is so, somewhat under the weather, but, uh, Carlo, great to have you on. Thank you very much for making the time this evening. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, uh, I don't think I've ever had any adjectives like that to describe me in my life. So I'm honored and also honored to be on the cast for today. You can put them on your resume now. And that little I description at the front. I will front. legit do that when I you do a job, see, and I'll also the screenshots, y'all. You can take this thing on, our, on, my, on my resume. <laughs> I'll put a uh, almost got first. <laughs> yeah, had first for a second. That was that was so great. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, but uh, th but thank you for coming on, Chris and I have you know we 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 reached out to you a couple times this year, and uh, you know the timing never worked out. But I felt like if nothing else this season We've got to make sure we do one episode with uh with carlo has been one of the most vocal members of the league and and really providing a lot of the like entertainment between the lines um so so very glad to have you on um carlo how's it going what's going on with your team these days um doing well uh i would say overall from a health perspective because i thought your uh, your song was more targeted at me having COVID right now um <laughs> But my team is doing the opposite. I would say we've been very, uh, very sick, very under the weather. Um, try to poke fun at it with my team name, with uh, how many times Mondesi has been on the uh, on the IL for extended amounts of time. Um, so I mean, that's that's been really the theme for me this year: is how many guys I have on the IL and how many guys are on IL plus on my roster that are also IL eligible. Yeah, um, it it really stands out um i mean mondesi has been injured before so there aren't necessarily a, it's not necessarily surprising that he's been out but what are some of the others that have really affected you that that did come as a surprise uh i mean we, we've had quite a few <laughs> to go through the the muck but um i mean i've had geo on there that seemed like he had covid for nearly 30 days um soto had his stint at the very beginning I oh, mean, yeah. we were just talking before the pod, and Brantley literally just went on the IL today. Mm -hmm. um, we had Plesac, who I trade acquired in a trade that went down on there, and you know Patrick Sandoval, who I thought was going to be uh, 
pretty stable in my lineup that also went down. And we also can't forget uh, Kirby Yates, who, you know, quite frankly, got TJ before the start of the season. And I feel bad if I drop. So, yeah, that that was a tough one. This, you know, I, I listened to a bunch of uh, fantasy baseball podcasts and I remember in, you know, sometime in March, like they were all kind of setting the table and trying to get people adjusted to the idea that there are going to be a lot of injuries this year. And I thought, yeah. like, you know, I'm generally a bit of a skeptic with with commentary like that. Um, but it has been it has been brutal. And it's not just the like the key players going down. It's just like everybody's spending time. Like suddenly you've got seven guys more than you can put on the injured list uh, with that designation. Yeah, I think a big thing for me is uh, my attempted coup earlier when uh, I had Kershaw that went down. He was on the high for, I think, like six or seven weeks. Um, and Yahoo has that setting where, you know, even if they're NA, they and they go on the IL, they're still IL eligible. Quite frankly, you can't add or drop anybody unless they go on the IL, even if they're active. And so you're just sitting there like, what do you want me to do here? Um, you know, because I, I, at that time, I had quite a few players that, you know, just tore me away to add there. And that's when I actually dropped Crotchet in the final, uh, or the, uh, the famous Crotchet's available post went out. I think someone dropped like 60 fab on him. I was like, y'all are killing me. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what ever happened to that guy who, there was a guy, another guy in the league last year who did that. I think that like was a huge, huge source of drama in his life. And he had to leave us. So we'll have to check in on him. We're still playing base. We're still playing fantasy baseball with him, by the way. He's, he's still in the redraft league. Um, which really, yeah, he's, he was, you know, he was with the, one of the first three members of that league. Um, oh, wow. So we were, uh, you know, I think he also had like a second kid and, and just had like a lot of stuff going on. He didn't feel like he had space for, for dynasty, which he's not accustomed to. Um, That's fair. But that was a controversial thing. And it's also like, you know, I think at the time he did say like, there, there are going to be more, um, they're going to be more special cases like this where a guy gets drafted yeah. and promoted in the same season. And the way teams manage their bullpens these days and, uh, you know, the, the, a number of injuries and just the need, the constant need for depth. Um, you can kind of see that maybe being a, a thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're on the, while we're on the subject of my team, I mean, I think that's been something I've struggled with is trying to figure out which of those relievers are actually going to get those holds, right. Or saves. Um, I think I'm dead last right now in saves and holds. And that's been a majority of the reason why is, you know, I, I got the Ryan Presley's and, I mean, the Brad hands of the world that give me an aneurysm every time he gets on the mound. Um, yeah. But just identifying those guys. And if I could go back and, you know, actually go back to our draft and change it up, I probably maybe would have more heavy, heavily targeted that category for us. Yeah. Well, do you play in any other leagues where you, uh, you have saved, where you count saves and holds? Uh, no. So this is actually the first time. So the only other dynasty league, which is the only other baseball league I'm in is, is actually saves only. So I have a hater and a few other of the, uh, you know, big saves guys. So that's never been an issue. So actually having to go out and figure out, okay, what are these guys that go out there and get holds and they're good at their job has been a big challenge. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Chris, Chris and I have been playing leagues for years now uh, where we count saves and holds. I think we made that transition in 2014 and just never, never looked back. Um, 
it is a lot easier to transition from saves to saves and holds than the other way around in leagues where I've that I've joined since then where they count saves like it's just a nothing category for me um have yeah. you have you so have you just kind of like copied and pasted your strategy your save strategy into this league or did you do anything special to, to adapt to it um not necessarily so whenever we first started up and I knew this was going to be a category I went more after some of those guys that even if they got demoted, they would have a chance to, you know, be that eighth inning hold man, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you were to ask me two years ago if I ever thought I'd be picking up like Brad Boxberger or Luke Jackson, <laughs> I'd be like, who the hell are those guys? Huh. Um, but I mean, that's been kind of the fun part of having this category, which is new for me. It's, it's forced me to pay attention to guys that aren't necessarily guys I would pay attention to while watching games or uh, while on the waiver wire. Yeah, I, I think um, it always used to be devastating when you would um, your one of your closers would be traded at the deadline to like a contending team and he would lose his save opportunities. But the fact that we have holds and also K's to to walk ratio, I think that really allows you to go a lot deeper uh, on on your roster. And you know, it, I have some some of my favorite relief pitchers are not the ninth inning guys or the seventh and eighth inning guys who really add up holds and strikeouts for, for walks and yeah it makes it interesting for me so I'm, I'm definitely not I don't think we should ever plan to go back I think it's a good element of this league no not at all I mean I was actually doing a deep dive the other day and I mean I realized I'm on the lower end of innings pitch just due to I mean just to be frank I had so many pitchers on the aisle earlier I was like I can't drop like Sonny Gray um and these guys on there so I'm just gonna bite the bullet and see maybe if I have a second half resurgence but I mean, if you look at it, there's really only about 40% of our league or less that have a higher than or a higher ratio of like 1.2 or more from their innings started to their actual case or even their K to walk ratio. Um, and of course, those are the guys that are at the top. And I mean, I just have such a low innings or innings pitched. Um, it was something that, you know, if I had another, I mean, give me another 20, 40% of innings pitched of actually guys that were injured. I mean, I would actually project myself to be up there in like fourth or fifth place right now. Hmm. Well, um, Carlo, I'm interested. Uh, I think some of the other people uh, in the league will be interested to hear how you found us and, uh, you know, how your experience has been so far. But yeah, let us know a little bit about your background. Uh, I mean, to get into it, I've been a, uh, never really played baseball growing up. I played a T-ball machine pitch and was on the great Astros that we killed it every single year at six years old. And, I was an Astros fan up until uh, I think when they played the White Sox in like 2006 in the World Series. Um, and then football took over my life. And then uh, my grandmother actually was a huge Yankees fan. And that's something we, you know, I just started watching with her. And she would always call me and be like, I don't know what channel the Yankees are on. So I always had to track what channel they were on. So that when she would call me literally every single night, I could be like, hey, they're on 142 or 140 or whatever it is down in Texas when she would visit from the Bronx. So um, really bonded over the Yankees at that point and just became a Yankees fan ever since. Are there a lot of Yankees fans down there in Texas? Oh, no, they, they hate – everyone's Astros fans. I'll wear my Yankees jersey down to Minute Maid and I get berated. But I love it, so. <laughs> you do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's bold. What's the, what's the atmosphere like there at uh, Minute Maid? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I've, I've been to a few games. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a few games in uh in the Yankee or the new Yankee Stadium, and um, it's it's nothing 
I would say Minute Maid is nothing like the new Yankee Stadium. It's a, uh, it's a lot of bandwagoners. It's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, they only pay attention when they're in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, my joke at my last job where everyone was from Houston, I would joke like, Hey, can you name anybody other than Crea Altuve or like Brantley? And they're like, mm, Verlander. I'm like, doesn't count. So <laughs> that's good. That's a good response. What do you, so, um, do you, have you heard anything about Verlander? I mean, stupid other question, than the fact that he married my teenager crush, uh, Kate Upton. Um, no, not really. Uh, I, I, I've been kind of loosely tracking him. I mean, he's kind of the same category as like Thor and Sale. You know, they got those Tommy John surgeries late last year, early last year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back next season, but there's, I, I would be shocked if he even, you know, like started the first game next year. Yeah, I guess that timing makes sense. He'll probably still be building building up at that point. I can't, and, I can't um, wait to see what happens with him. I think he'll be a really interesting signing for somebody. Uh, I mean, maybe a, a Yankees or somebody like that who needs a fourth or fifth starter who can throw him a bunch of money for a one- or two-year deal. I think it'll be a fascinating thing to follow. I've heard that he wants to go back to Detroit. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he wants to finish his career there. Just looking at Verlander's baseball reference page, he's had such an amazing career that's lasted for so long. I mean, he's probably a Hall of Fame pitcher, but I think one or two more solid years, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, Well, it, it has to be said, though, that Verlander, Verlander, went, Verlander was clearly using sticky stuff in, in Houston. Like, I, he may have been like the tip of the spear with spider tack. Um, and I'm not trying to like take anything away from him. You know that I like, I kind of, I feel like there should be a substance that pitchers are allowed to use. And, you know, the game is more fun when you have guys who like maximize reaching their potential and, uh, maximizing their stuff. But, you know, coming back from Tommy John very late in his career at an advanced age for a pitcher who will be deprived for the first time in years of this, of that, you know, of the sticky stuff. Like there, there could be a huge drop off in performance. I'm not gonna like put money on anything, but it's it's a po- distinct possibility. Well, if anything, I mean, Sale's kind of bucking that curve right now. I mean, I I have him in my other league, and his average or his ERA is sitting around like 250. Um, I mean, the I Red Sox are kind of pooping the bed right now, but I would say that I mean, he's probably older than Verlander, right? No, he's he's got to be younger than Verlander. I I would put him at. Um, what thirty four or so? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll check, but I thought uh, he was more early thirty. He's thirty two right now. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking up Verlander. He's been in the league forever. It's a it's a fair question. Okay, um, Verlander's thirty eight. I kind of exaggerated that. Yeah, I mean the thing about the thing about Verlander and Sale is that while they've been in the same tier of of pitchers for a while, it's a totally different strategy. Like Sale does not get ride on his four seam fastball what he does with it is he like three he starts it like a dozen feet out to left and if you're a right if you're a lefty batter it's got to look like it's coming right at you or it's going to go right through you and if you're a righty batter it must look like it's coming right at you and i think that's in addition to like elite velocity and and good command um that's what made it effective whereas verlander is like a much more conventional pitcher and uh, you know his, you know he did basically what Cole did coming to the coming to the Astros. Um, high spin, forcing 
right yeah. fastball. So, so anyway, I don't know you're supposed to interview me, but I actually have a question, more of a baseball preference. Um, I really enjoy seeing the pitchers like Sale that are, for lack of a better term, going to finesse you, right? Um, what kind of pitching battle do y'all like to see? Do y'all like to see those pitchers that are going to come in and just say, you know, screw you, I'm going to overpower you with my fastball? Mm. Or do you like seeing some of those more uh, creative pitches that are they're trying to come in and, like you said, throw it from 12 feet out and make it look like it's going to hit you, but it's going to go right down the middle? Nelson's um, got a good answer for this. Yeah, so I, I grew up uh, watching Maddox, and I, he was always the, the, the pinnacle of, of pitching for, for me. So I, I like those kind of pitchers who you're, just seem a little bit smarter than everybody else and who can keep guys off balance and, you know, can swing that fastball back, you know, over the inside corner like Maddox used to do. So that's my preference is, uh, you know, your, your, Wiley, your Wiley guys, uh, Kyle Hendricks, those kind of guys who – get a ton of movement on their fastball, have a good change up and just get by basically through their smarts. So that's, that's my answer. And that's why you I, mean, I, I got Hendricks on the roster. If you want to shoot me a, yeah, a trade. We'll, we'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nicely done. Yeah. Slick. <laughs> that was a slick move. Um, and sorry, did you just mention Nolan? I didn't, but he would definitely be yeah. in that group of pitchers that I love watching. That's what I thought. Um, uh, we'll we'll jump into this in a second because I I would love to hear you expand on on how you know you see Nola that was a conviction move uh, trading Kyle Tucker for uh, for him, um, but you know to answer your to answer your question from from my side like I'm not sure I can define a class I've jumped you know this has been such a fun era of of pitching um, you know I loved watching Luis Castillo um, mature into into an ace. Uh, Garrett Cole and Verlander, I, I love watching too. Kershaw was was years of entertainment. Lately, um, Corbin Burns just mm. stands out to me. Like there, I feel like there have been, you know, Nelson's group is like a is a discernible group over the last twenty years. There are fewer of them now, but the, like that's a that's a that's a that's a strategy for sure. And then there's the power guys, and then there's Burns, who is just like a mad scientist like i just can't get over the fact that he failed to make himself in verlander's image so he just went back to the drawing board and came back with like five borderline six like super high quality pitches and now nobody can hit him or do anything with it anymore so that that's that's my answer what about you carla I mean, for me, it, it's uh, we, we kind of talked about this uh, before the pod, but um, I'm a football guy, and one of my favorite football games of all time, if y'all ever watched it, was a I want to say it was a 2007 national championship between Bama and LSU, where I think the final score was like three zero or six three, oh, yeah. and neither team got past the other team's forty until like the end of the fourth quarter, and so I I just love a good brute powerhouse pitcher. Um, I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> oh no, it's 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 something like give me a good middle linebacker down the middle that just says, "Hey, it's me versus the running back in the a gap. It's me versus my fastball, and you know, can you hit it?" Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing pitchers like that that just they have the confidence in their stuff to throw it down the middle. Um, little ironic that I have Kyle Hendricks, who is arguably the worst person to do that comp to. Um, but again, guys like Zach Wheeler and 
um, Sonny Gray, who just said, hey, it's my ego versus your ego. Who's going to win? Right. Um, and so and, that's those are guys I enjoy watching. And that is a good segue to maybe the, the player who best epitomizes that uh, in baseball, uh, Max Scherzer, uh, Mr. 3000, who you traded away this season uh, to uh, to Brad um, up in up in first place. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm I'm somehow framing this in, in some way. I'm not. I'm totally agnostic about it. Uh, but uh, tell us more. Did you say you're uh, agnostic evangelist. Yes, yes I did. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, he's he's in my head. I'm sorry. I can't think about it. Uh, tell us about the trade. That was a very exciting move. Yeah. Um, so I will say I do have my. You know. I hope. No one at home is watching this in their car with their kids, so please beep it out. But fuck Brad Banner behind me. Um, <laughs> Amazing. No, it's uh, to be honest, uh, from a high level, I thought Scherzer's back was going to give out three months ago. Um, this is a guy that was dealing with back spasms towards the middle to end of every single season for I feel like the last five seasons. And he's definitely up there in age for many of the aces and not taken away from his ability or. Uh, you know, his, his talent, but my prediction was he was going to give out at his age way before this season ever ended. Um, and if I were to wait until next season, I'm going to get somebody that is going to be a C tier player. and I'm not going to get my investment back for the, I think the third or fourth round pick I put into him in our dynasty league, uh-huh. um, which we can definitely remind me to get back to because I definitely did not invest in, uh, prospects, but, um, for me, I, I shopped him around for quite a few weeks and for about five or six teams, and I really wasn't getting the return that I wanted. Um, and Brad came around, and um, I had done the math where basically I knew that if Scherzer had the best season possible, my ERA, given the guys I had, unless there was just some amazing prodigal son that came up that nobody had on their rosters, which – my big gripe with this league is every time someone new that comes up, everybody has them on the roster. Um, my ERA was going to finish probably six at best. Um, so Brad came along and I'm very high in Corbin Carroll. Uh, there was quite a bit of back and forth between him and I, and my only caveat between that trade was I got a hard thrower, which was Luis Patino, um, which he wasn't as hard of a thrower as I wanted, but I actually have faith in the race system. He may be an opener for the next two years, but I could see him being traded in the next two to three, and he can go be an ace on, you know, the Rangers, the Yankees insert team here, and he's going to be a six to seven inning guy for the next five years. And when you say hard thrower, do you literally mean a hard thrower? Is that sort of a general term for like a you know a front line quality, you know, capable pitcher? Uh, literally mean hard thrower. Um, a lot of my guys in my bullpen and my pitching stats or pitching stats don't really have a lot of velocity. Mm -hmm. I mean, Castillo was topping out at like 97, 96, which wasn't as hard as I wanted. Um, but it was that nice middle ground where I view hard throwers that are throwing anywhere from 98 and above as more of a closer role. Think of Aldis Chapman throwing that 101 mile an hour pitch in the, the Cubs and the Reds. Um, but I really felt that I wanted someone that was going to be a starter that can really go out there. And, you know, I think Cole's a, uh, an outlier, but somebody could throw it hard and just get through an inning. Well, he certainly can do that. I mean, you know, it sounds like Patino is, uh, uh, obviously the adjustment to major league pitching is major league hitting has got to be super oh, yeah. difficult, but he's uh, going to blow up this year. 
Yeah. Uh, it sounded like he needed, he really needed to solidify that third pitch, but that the fastball was like one of the best in, in, you know, in the minor leagues last year. Yeah. Uh, he's, I think he's throwing his fastball somewhere around like 58 to 60%, which wow. I mean, makes him pretty predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's kind of like the pirate system four years ago, right? When they had like Garrett Cole, Glass now, um, and the third name who's escaping me. I, I, I can see the Rays being that new developmental pipeline that just makes the aces for the years to come. So do you do you uh, have any regret about that trade? Are you feeling good about the return you got? Um, I mean, Scherzer is having an insane season right now. I don't know why how he's not the Cy Young frontrunner. Maybe he is, but um, how are you feeling about it long term right now? I mean, I, I think short term, I probably could have held on to Scherzer until now. Uh, yeah. just to be blunt about it. But, uh, for me, it, it, it's, it's where I saw his value. Um, and I really didn't see Scherzer making it past in my projections in my head past this point in the year without a major injury. Um, the fact he's blown by it, more power to Brad. Good for you. Lord God King continue destroying this league. Um, but at the end of the day, it was one of those instances where I was like, I want to trade this guy where I can actually get value before I have to trade Scherzer or potentially drop him the first year player draft because he has to get TJ surgery at 38 or 36, however old he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that psychological effect is very, is very real uh, in dynasty where like, um, you know, you've got an aging player and you want to try to get ahead of the, you want to get ahead yeah. of the decline, but everyone else feels the same way about it. Like he's, he's been, He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Still is yeah. one of the best pitchers in baseball. <laughs> but um, you know that that age is it's just a, it's a spooky uh, it's a spooky number. So it it is very interesting and not totally surprising that you felt like the re- the return you wanted wasn't out there, and maybe that accelerated your yeah. anxiety. Um, a little bit. I mean, uh, I will say this league is. Uh, I follow the Reddit Baseball Dynasty League religiously, which is where I met this awesome group. Um, And one thing I've learned about this league is certain people have certain sentiments of value to players. Um, Everybody also, I think, has their different types of players they're looking for. Like, I love hard pitchers. Again, even though I have Kyle Hendricks, rest in peace, the professor. But um, at the end of the day, everyone in this league holds on to their top the top 10 or 15 prospects in the league, like a glove. Yeah. Um, and I realized early on in our discussions with Brad that he was out there to win this year. Um, he wanted that staying power. And I was like, look, I mean, the fact that you have Carroll on the trade block, he's going to get TJ. He's going to be out for a year, year and a half. But in my eyes, he's a guy that prior to his surgery, I mean, I think his batting average is like 433. Um, not to, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but at the same time, I think, Carroll is a guy that can come in and really just be one of those guys that has a ridiculous on-base percentage, can fill every single category in our uh, rotisserie other than stolen bases or home runs, I'm sorry. Um, and it was just one of those guys that if he hits, this trade was worth it because I knew I wasn't finishing the top three this year. Yeah, Carroll, uh, I, I remember like reading – uh, you know, a caption about him when he was a draft prospect or, or um, you know, before 
some sometime sometime last year or the year before and uh you know the he he was seen as like maybe the fifth or sixth best prospect in the diamondback system but like there were rumors circulating that the that the people in that system looked at him as the best as the best yeah. prospect. And this was before Christian Robinson, um, you know, punched a cop. And uh, I, I shouldn't make light of that; it's not actually that funny. But um, uh, you know that that was really impressive to me. So I can certainly understand why he stood out to you. Okay, hold. All right. Well, I mean, we know you love Carol, but I'm just looking to your team right now and you have some other interesting prospects. Uh, one that I wasn't really familiar with is Jose Miranda, who's having an insane year in the minors. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. He's not really on a lot of the top 100 prospect lists right now, but he's putting up a ridiculous season. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that I think it either be a flash in the pan or it could be a sign of things to come. Um, I think right now in the high minors, he's hitting 343 with an OPS of 980. Um, and he's one of those guys that he may be in my least favorite farm system in baseball right now with the Twins, but he came over in the trade from the Blue Jays. And he was one of those guys that the Blue Jays had to give up to you know get the talent to where they are today. Um, and I think he's one of those guys that could balance out my team if it actually comes out. And I mean, you're looking at my team now. There's There's a lot of prospects on there. Um, but he's one of the guys I'm very high on and, uh, to kind of start it out. I mean, the other guy I was highest on before anything started was actually Brandon Marsh. If y'all tracked him and mm. he was, I think second or kind of, um, like Carol a few years ago, he was lower in their system, but he was a two sport athlete. He's a wide receiver in high school, had a lot of, uh, offers for football for a scholarship. And he was one of those guys that after our draft that I realized a lot of, not a lot of everyone else but me because I didn't draft a prospect uh, passed over. Um, and now he's up in the majors right now hitting like 265, 275, like 45 games in. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited about his actual first full year in the majors because he's a guy that could actually back up Trout and whoever else fills that other spot in the outfield um, and has that full rotisserie ability to you know fill out every category. What about some of these other guys? Uh, you got Gorman, who I haven't really heard much about this year. Is he having a good year? Gorman's having a great year, and he actually has been playing at second base lately. And if you follow some of the Reddit hype on him, he's actually got uh, the number one second base prospect in baseball right now. Hmm. I did not realize he had a that makes sense. sense. Interesting. Yeah, he, it sounds like he's uh, fixing his, uh, you know, sw I'm not sure what causes his strikeout to be high, his strikeout rate to be high, his batting average to be low historically. But whatever that was, it seems like he's made some real adjustments around it. Um, and, you know, if that's real, the power, you know, his reputation as a power hitter has, has you know, yeah. stood out for years at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's a big power guy, and I mean, going down the rest of my list, I mean, you get you got you know Brennan Davis over there on the Cubs, who yeah. literally blew everything up this trade deadline, which is great for me because I could see Brennan coming up towards the end of the season potentially, or maybe at the beginning of the next. But he's got a high strikeout rate, but you know, he's he's climbed from basically a top fifty prospect this year all the way up to a top, I think, fifteen, depending on the list you look at. I, um, I've heard him. I've and, heard his discussion about him being a top ten. It's been a while since the Cubs have had a, a really elite prospect, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. 
Yeah, he's oh, super exciting. And I, I actually remember uh, where I was last year when I was thinking about picking Davis up. Um, and I, I had, you know, a bunch of other prospects. I didn't want to, I didn't know who to cut. I didn't know what to do. And I remember you, you beat me <laughs> to it. And, and that was just like a super smart move. Like it's, I know it's, he has strike struck out a little bit, the batting average is a little bit lower, but in every other respect, I don't think you could really hope for more. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the real definition of high risk, high reward. And I mean, to kind of get into my draft strategy, I, I, I definitely drafted last year to win that year. And, I, I know everyone's very aware of my famous I won congratulations to me speech before <laughs> we <weren't gonna laughs> I jumped that. the shark. I, well, so I, I, I had totally forgot that I think there was like, I was like one steal above somebody or whatever it was. And it happened just, you know, quite, quite, quite frankly, out of the blue and it was an overlook. But uh, I definitely drafted last year with, I think I had the number seven pick and, Soto was sitting right there and I just was salivating. Um, and I don't think I drafted one prospect. I'm going to be honest with you. I think if I drafted a prospect, it's because I threw a pitcher's list real quick. and was like, all right, who's the best prospect? Great. Debbie. I'll take Debbie. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I kind of looked at it and was like, oh, we have a bunch of owners taking. I knew Wander was going to go in the first couple rounds, but um, everybody started taking like uh, Casey Mize and, um, all of our other great top 20 prospects. I was like, Oh shoot. I did not think about this. Yeah. Um, and so that was my big learning curve doing a dynasty league like this because my other dynasty league doesn't involve prospects. So it's true. I had to do that research and learn point counterpoint. Um, I think Mackenzie Gore was drafted in the or Mackenzie fourth, Gore, or fifth, uh, fourth or fifth round last year. Um, and you know, I understood that move. That's, that seemed, that seemed really smart. It prospects are, uh, so, so much fun. Like it's, it's just a whole new dimension of, of fantasy baseball, um, to dive into. Um, but it's super volatile and it can be heartbreaking to track a guy like Gore for, for years and feel like absolutely convinced that. He's going to be an ace, and it's a question of when he gets that opportunity, and then watch him struggle like this. Yeah, I mean, I think especially too, like last year, Joe Adele was the hot pickup. Um, yeah. You know, he got called up, and and now if you look at any list, I mean, you have Brandon Marsh that surpassed him from four spots behind, and he's arguably hitting better. And I freaking wish the Angels would let him run, but you know, that's a that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Um, what about on the uh, pitching side? You know, Tao, this is uh, this is my weakest part. Um, I, I drafted thinking I would have some staying power, and uh, Gray has definitely had a less than attributable year year as um, we've gone along the season, especially with his big long aisle stint. Um, I, I I've been really I got really lucky last year, or I think it was this year, picking up the Scalafini. Um, mm. I don't know what the Giants are putting in that Gatorade out there in San Francisco, but it's working. Um, yeah. That's a good point. What are they <laughs> doing out there? I have no idea. I mean, if I, I'm a sports betting man, and if you were to tell me to take the over on the Giants win total this year, I would say no freaking way. Yeah. Um, but I guess Brandon Crawford remembered how to had a hit had to hit a home run and freaking belt and Descalfini's killing it right now. Um, 
Gosman having uh, an yeah, insane Gosman year. As well. Gosh, is he, uh, is he second? How is his second half? He's, he's been good. He's he's been, he's very been killing good. it in the second half. I thought he I thought he'd lost something. I mean, he still he still has an ERA in the twos. I mean, he's he, maybe he's not been quite as good, but he's having it. He'll be a top five Cy Young vote getter, I would say. Wow. It's crazy. It's just a bunch of guys like that. You know, it's uh, over-the-hill veterans who always had a ton of talent and never seemed to reach it. Like, suddenly they figured out how to talk to these guys. And I think that's what it is. That, or that, that's what I heard, that, um, you know, they, they are in perfect harmony, a perfect state of flow with their analytics department and their players. Like, the, the players listen and adapt and the analytics guys know what information and when to, to put it in front of them. And Gabe Kapler, who was almost a laughingstock mm-hmm. last year with the Phillies, um, pulling guys after 68 pitches and, you know, overmanaging, has somehow figured it out very quickly. So it'll be interesting to see if they can go all the way this year. Still don't believe – I won't believe until I see it, but you can never count the Giants out. Yeah, well, I, you know, I've been thinking about this uh, a lot. You know, as a as a Yankee as a Yankees fan, um, you know, it seems like there is a science. It's been boiled down to a science, um, how to win like a lot of games over a like high volume, you know, stretch of stretch of games, and uh, it feels like there is a team like this every year. Multiple teams, that you, you know, the Dodgers and, and the uh, and the Rays have been doing it for years. The Yankees. Uh, to some extent, and then in the postseason, you put them up against a team with three eight. Like you know, the the Brewers, for example, have like three of the best pitchers, starting pitchers in baseball, who can go deep. I don't, you know, I don't know how that's going to work out for them in a you know in a short series. But I'm sorry, we're getting a little sidetracked. This is a show about our fantasy baseball league, and I don't want it to be. <laughs> I don't want to like reach for any relevance beyond that. Um, so, uh, what else? Uh, what's your sort of like takeaway from from the season? It's up. You're obviously a little bit lower down, but that positions you to get a, get some extra money. What are you thinking about for next year? Oh, did we did we officially pass the uh, extra money for lower standings? Uh, I unilaterally passed it because. I, <laughs> In the first year of this league, I was doing like I did like fair. fifteen surveys, and it just you know nobody needs that. Make it a that's fair. Well, in, in the spirit of Philly teams, we're going to trust the process on a Odyssey ILs. Um, no, it's I, I'm I'm opt- optimistic for the league. I think I got some of the better batters between Soto, my great duo for the uh, Blue Jays, between Gerdschuk and Hernandez that. It was funny. I also listen to a lot of uh, fancy baseball podcasts, just random YouTube accounts, and every single person said T. Oscar is going to bottom out, and that guy is killing. He's hitting three hundred six with twenty seven home runs. I mean, I freaking love him. Um, but uh, a, a slight surprise for me has been Kikuchi over in Seattle. Um, to not expect him to get as much of a prevalent innings pitch that he's had so far. But the guy's got 14 quality starts, and it seems like every time I bench him because he goes up against the Astros or the Giants or insert a big hitting team here, the guy goes with like a two ERA with like seven innings pitch. Um, and I think that's kind of going to be the theme of my team this year where 
we've definitely had an off season, but between hitters like Soto, we got Rizzo in there that I think is going to hit his strikes from last year or next year. Will Smith, who's an up and coming catcher that is just slaying this year. Um, and some of the more prospects like Hayes and Marsh and some of those guys that are on the NA right now, I, I think we're set for the next year. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that assessment. And just, you know, we, we, Chris and I were joking before, maybe before we called you, maybe before the, uh, we started recording about how uh, a few episodes ago, uh, so whew, another one. Uh, sorry, oh, you uh, ruined it for me. <laughs> it's another what? <laughs> it could be another Honda car commercial. Uh, 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 how Soto was like struggling in the first half. You can do anything in this world if you have one Soto on your dynasty team. Yeah, and it's like I, I was actually like Soto's the one guy that once he was not injured, I was fine with. I mean, and I I, kinda, I think I made a joke blog post about this, but. Like Soto is the one guy because I think I was like middle of the order for a draft pick that I was like, I don't care who I come with, I just want to get Soto in the first round. And um, I think someone took who was it? Someone took Vlad in the first round. After that, I was like, I'm good. Like this guy is going to be hitting three oh ten or three ten for the next fifteen years. He's going to have forty five home runs. Um, like I, he's one of those guys that I've just always gravitated towards him. As a cocky person, I love the Soto shuffle every time he gets a walk, especially in those big playoff games. Um, so that only reaffirmed my love for him. Yeah, Chris. Chris was telling me before uh, before we called you up about how Soto broke Will Smith, the relief pitcher on the, on the <laughs> Did he really did? Yeah, he owns Will Smith, and I was saying today it's embarrassing as a Braves fan to see see them go up against one another because Soto just has the upper hand on so many levels. It's sad. Well, it's, uh, it's that Muhammad Ali factor, you know, just yeah. coming out and, you know, being able to talk that smack and backing it up. Yeah. I mean, it, it still blows my mind when somebody posts, you know, uh, like puts an ironic tweet out about how, uh, you know, they can't wait to find out how good Soto is when he's this person who just broke into the league's name or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, but like he's so young, nineteen oh, years I, old. I couldn't tie my fucking shoes at nineteen years old. <laughs> it's just amazing. He, he's twenty-two years old right now. Yeah, he's he on were, base percentage is four fifty-seven right now. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, he's going to go on to do some exciting things, and that's what I love about this like loosey goosey format. Is like if you want to, you can be there for every single one of those seasons. Um, yeah, coming up, like you never have to throw him back into the pool if you don't if you don't want to. Um, if you want to, feel free. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I I, I think it was uh, it was either Doug or like Wildcat Nation or someone. It wasn't Fairbanks Yanks because I've been waiting for his final blog post to come out and say, "Hey, my name is X, and this is what I do and what I love." But because uh, he's obviously a Yanks fan, um, but. I remember the the famous post of I may be at the bottom, but I'm coming for y'all huh. in nice curated language, and that's that's how I feel. I mean, I, I got I think I got a team if I can have Mondesi, RIP, like keep him healthy so I can get at least 45 steals from him. Um, my team's right there to compete, and um, it's one of those where you know I hope I can make another post where I think I got first again. So, huh. and there's a. Uh... 
drive into deep left field by Castellanos. <laughs> That'll be a home run. Oh, I still got her Shayla. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, no, that's that's great stuff. Um, Chris, any other questions? No, I don't think so. Um, just it's unfortunate that we haven't had a little bit more movement in the standings this year, but I think we all know that Brad has been a worthy champion again, even if we all hate him. And uh, yeah, we, we're looking forward to big things from you next year, Carlo, with some of your prospects taking the next step who've had good seasons. And um, I'm sure we'll be having this talk next year and Teo and I will be pissed off that you're killing us. Yeah. Um, congratulations on your second place. Uh, I'm not sure if I ever, I reached out to you about that um, finish last year. That that was a great it was a great season. I feel the vindictiveness in there. It's it's killing me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I like to I like to say a lot of nice things. I actually like right behind the surface is just like just seething resentment <laughs> and jealousy. <laughs> That's who no, I am. Yeah, uh, and I, I, before we sign off here, I will say I love how majority of this league seems to be Yankees fans. Um, unironically, I will say, I feel like everyone's, uh, cause I'm a big Cowboys fan and everyone always makes fun of me. Right. Because it's oh, like, yeah. Oh, you're a bandwagoner. It's like, no, it's, I was a fan through all of our losing seasons. And I feel like this league is very dedicated to the Yanks. And, um, we may not have had a lot of left-hand hitters this year, but I think this is our year. Oh, you think the Yankees are going to take it all? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't have that vindication, then I, I, I can't be a Yankees fan. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that an organization can just like year after year, you know, grinding away. We're going to win this year. It never, it never stops in New York. Um, I saw an amazing uh, uh, graphic the other day. Um, it was like a list of the top five winning it, like um, winningest stretches for, for any organization and the the Yankees were on the list twice um, for having like the <laughs> longest run of, uh, of winning season yeah and they're right in the middle of, of one of them it's amazing uh, we, we were uh, we were definitely spoiled I mean I, I'll never uh, take that for granted but at the end of the day uh, DJ LeMahieu is Lord baby Jesus and Brad <laughs> is Lord God King so that's my dilemma <laughs> well that's great um, Thank you very much for uh, for joining us today. Yeah, it's great talking to you, Carlo. We'll have you yeah, back great talking soon to you. for sure. Yeah, definitely. Have a good weekend. All right, man. Awesome. Thanks to y'all. Wow, that was uh, that was awesome. What a great guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's in the league. I I really appreciate that Carlo, like, you know, kind of like me, because I I'm, but I'm the I'm the commissioner. I. I want to keep things on an even keel and and uh you know make sure that we have good continuity over the over the next several seasons that carlo also seems to have like an antenna for when things are getting all heated in the uh, message boards and like jumps in there with you know a funny like lighthearted comment yeah it would be so easy to have somebody who was the total opposite and just made it miserable for all of us so <laughs> it's somehow we got all the right people for this league it's yeah. crazy how it worked out another good clubhouse guy so uh, talk talk to me about this uh, Nola trade. We haven't. I don't think we've recorded since. That yeah, happened. yeah. So it's been a while since we talked, and my big move since then was trading um, for Aaron Nola and you know, Kyle Tucker, who I know a lot of you guys like. Um, I was kind of consulting um, 
Brad a little bit, uh, getting his thoughts since he's obviously the guru here of how he felt about Tucker. Um, and he, you know, he valued him quite highly. I do as well, but I have a surplus of really solid outfielders. Um, you know, to, the way I saw it, um, Tucker, I, I could swap out Tucker because I had Buxton um, on the on the IL for so long, and I feel like he would have just taken his place, and he has really. Um, but it was a risky move for me. I, I've been following Nola for a long time. I think he's he's built for long term success. I like his repertoire. Um, you know, he doesn't throw really hard. Uh, he's like I was saying earlier. He's one of these smart guys who you know has really great movement. Um, I love watching him. Uh, Tucker, I feel like he was maybe my my third or fourth outfielder. It just made sense to me. I I really needed somebody to put up some quality starts. Now the irony is that Nola has not put up any quality starts since I traded for him. But um, I I really needed somebody to front my rotation. Um, I feel like Tucker was expendable for me, so I just had to make the move. And um, I think down the road it'll really pay off for me. It hasn't this year, but I don't know. What do you think, Tao? It was a it was a big trade for me. I love that deal. It, it really felt like just, you know, perfect uh, symmetry and, and balance. These are like, um, you know, it's really nice to look at a trade and not think like, oh, somebody got somebody got took here. Um, it's just, a, you know, a positional and, and stat need question. I immediately saw that you had a surplus of uh, you had a surplus of offense and then no real like core to your to your um, to your pitching side. And, uh, you know, I would look through almost anything um, that NOLA does over the, over the next month. Like the, the underlying stats are phenomenal. Uh, well, but not get carried away. They're extremely good. And, um, you know, he has had a ton of success this year already. Um, and it just, it sets you up. Like it, it must take a load off your mind. Yeah, to, you, to you know, that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, w- I was looking, you know, I'm, I'm way behind in quality starts right now. And where was I going to get those quality starts from? Well, the draft, you know, that might be three or four years away from, from you know, a pitcher who you invest a lot of your draft money in um, providing quality starts. So it was really my only route was was through trade. And, um, yeah, some of I, I got outfield eligibility from Fernando Tatis and Austin Riley, and I wasn't really expecting that from either one of them. So that also kind of freed me up a little bit to, to move an outfielder. So I'm glad you're a fan of that trade. Um, yeah, I can't wait for to see how you know how Nola does for me going forward. No, definitely, and I, I love it for Doug too. Like I, I think Kyle Tucker is like a, is a premium asset. Kyle Tucker has been killing it since since I traded him. Um, he he looks like. Uh, maybe uh, even a five-tool player. Uh, he'd steal a fair amount of bases. He's hitting close to 300. He's got good power numbers. He's a really good player. So I think that Doug made out really well from that trade, and I'm glad that he was uh, willing to, to give me Nola. Yeah, the one thing I'd say about Tucker, and this this isn't this has nothing to do with him. Maybe it says more about me, is that it, it feels a little fragile still, you know? Like, it, um, you know, he just he struggled more than I expected him to. Uh, in his first couple of years, his first couple of um, cups of coffee. Uh, but it's, I think it's real at this point. Like the color is starting to come in and what it looks like is his uh, 2020. I've seen player. him ranked in the top 25 of dynasty rankings. A lot of the, the dynasty experts are extremely high on Tucker. So yeah. Um, yeah, he seems like he kind of took the next step forward this year and 
maybe he'll maybe he has another level to come uh, in the years in the years to come. He but he looks really good in that Houston lineup, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's that's great. Glad glad you got a glad you got that big deal under your belt. And now you know, looking at your your uh, uh, your pitchers again, like Aaron Nola brings this whole thing into focus. I think you put him next to Sandy Alcantara um, and a healthy Pablo Lopez next year, and I think you've got your one, two, three primed, and you can build on that. Like the, I, I don't know if it's the guys you have now. Nelson Lemay is a bit of a wild card. Um, but uh, you could really go places with those three as your bedrock. Yeah, that that was that's my thinking. I have a lot of guys who are kind of unproven power pitchers who I, you know, I, I have a, a lot of these Lemay, Pearson, um, Tuki Toussaint, Max okay. Meyer, Husker, Inoa. I mean, a lot of these power pitchers who I'm expecting one of them to to really establish himself as a as a solid frontline pitcher. So. You know, I kind of had some some space to give people a chance this year because I was so behind a lot of these pitching categories that I could load up on these guys and not worry about them hitting my ratios too bad. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm still not counting out a, a Nate Pearson or somebody like that or Michael Kopic, who is going to probably move to the rotation next year from potentially being a really solid starting pitcher. So we'll see. Exciting stuff. What else is new? Uh, I mean, it's, I, I'm feeling resigned to fourth place right now. Um, we had Andrew on, on a previous podcast who Taylor and I were just mentioning how it's, he's really had an amazing year. Um, he started off in, in last place, uh, in the middle, as far as recently as the middle of May, he was at the bottom of the league and he's really taken a stranglehold on third place, um, and, and had a really solid second half of the season. So I would say that's been the biggest development in the league, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's you know it's it's scary. Like Andrew, Andrew is really good at fantasy baseball. I mean, he's been, I think he's been top three, one one of the top three teams in the redraft league every every year since he joined. I know he's won his home league a bunch of times, and uh, I expected a learning curve with Dynasty because he you know really didn't play that game at all and wasn't aware of um, you know kind of who the the big prospects are not, not that that's the only way to win, but he's, he's adjusting really quickly. And I think uh, it, it looking at who's giving him all this production, like maybe he was just getting less than he deserved from some really well-established players up to this point. And now they're doing what they usually do. And it's, uh, you know, it's extremely valuable. Yeah. I, you know, Brad has an amazing team. We've talked about that at length, how he's not just built for this year, but the next year. I think Andrew, and no disrespect to Eric, who I think has an awesome team as well, but I'm really going to be interested to see if, if Andrew can overtake Brad next year. I, I wouldn't bet against it. Yeah, I mean, you know, just, just knowing how capable uh, Westland is at the game, I think that's, you know, that's going to be the expectation every year moving forward. Um there are some question marks about this team. I don't know where you put Yelich in the, you know, in the, um, like in the, in the ADP next year. Um, and then Robbie Ray, who is like suddenly stopped walking anyone. I, I love the storyline, but I don't know if I'll be going out and drafting Robbie Ray everywhere next season. We'll see. I, it's hard for me to believe that a guy who's been on such a hot stretch as Robbie Ray, who seems to have really flipped the switch is going to 
not be extremely valuable next year. But yeah, you're right. It, some of these guys who have really had amazing seasons, he will be counting on people who maybe have not been established for, for you know more than one year. But yeah, I wanted to also mention, um, we haven't talked about this since the last podcast and because it happened recently. And we, there was a post about it in the message board. We had a little fantasy meetup at, at the Yankee Stadium a few weeks ago, which was a good time. Brad flew in from the UK just to hang out with the Fantasy League, which is amazing. And we caught a, uh, a Yankees game. Um, it was me, Teo, Westland, and Brad at Yankee Stadium. So it was really great to do that. And, you know, next year, why don't we, why don't we make it a, even a bigger group? That would be amazing. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been pushing for, uh, or not pushing for, I have wanted to um, arrange a, like, spring training um, trip uh, one of these seasons and do the draft in person, probably still on the Yahoo, you know, interface, but um, at least everyone's sort of in the same area. Um, and I don't know, we'll see what the, what the world looks like next March, but I would love to do something like that, even if it's just, you know, getting together for a game. All right. Well, um, I think we'll probably have maybe one, maybe two more pods to look forward to the rest of the year, but you expecting anything else to happen? What, what do you think are the, are the final storylines of the season? Um, I don't think we're going to see any movement in the, uh, any movement in the standings. So here, here's one thing that to contend with it's Brad is running out of innings rapidly. He'll probably be wrapped up in the next day or two. Mm. Um, and that is at least something to pay a little bit of attention to. Um, I don't know. I was looking at the standings earlier. He could lose a couple points um, on saves, maybe quality starts. Do you think that's going to have any effect? Do you think Eric can take advantage of that? Well, he has a nine-point advantage overall. Um, now, remember, Eric briefly took first place a few weeks ago. So it is possible, I would say. Yeah, that's very interesting. Eric has a lot of room to make up in K's, and he's been very cleverly managing his his pitch load, pitcher load this year. So I, I would say that it's not there's a non-zero chance that Eric could could still get first place. Well, you know he's. I don't think he's going to lose a point in K's. I'm not sure when the recording stopped, but uh, we, we, we were going to do some good stuff right there. <laughs> that was great. I've never heard you speak like that before. Uh, it was inspirational. Um, suffice it to say, though, Chris has a point. Um, this innings limit thing could um, could be a difference maker, or at least make things really interesting in the last uh, you know in the last month of the season. Yeah, I, let's just see what what Eric what Eric can do with uh, some of the space he has in his innings right now. Um, you know, he has a ton of pitchers. He could really stack, start, he could really stream starting pitchers and he could at least make it interesting. So I think, I'm not sure if this got cut off, but it would be amazing if we could get Eric on the final podcast and kind of talk about, you know, his strategy for the end here, see if he thinks it's possible to catch up to Brad. So I think that'd be something to look forward to. I bet that would be really interesting. Like I, when I invited Eric to this league, Eric is the commissioner of the other Dynasty League um, I'm in. Uh, I knew that he was a really smart uh, manager, but it's the, it goes a lot deeper than that. Like just to pile on for a second, like all, so many of, of Eric's 
prospects, uh, draft selections and players he's picked up since then um, are, you know, guys who are like sort of fringy and have a huge momentum advantage uh, as we close in on the end of the season. Um, Quinn Priester, for example, never heard of him before. Uh, or, or Elvis Martinez. That's a new one for me. Yeah, I, I was aware of him last year, um, uh, but not surprising to see someone like that. And then Grayson Rodriguez. Like, R- Rodriguez was not um, considered, like, a candidate for top pitching prospect last year when, when he was drafted, when Eric drafted him. Um, but he, Eric has him in the other league as well. He really sees something there. And now Grayson is, uh, as we've discussed, is, is the consensus number one pitching prospect in the game. And yeah, deservedly so. Orioles are all of a sudden an exciting franchise to watch, um, especially prospect wise. So, yeah, can't wait to see what happens there. Grayson Rodriguez, perhaps the pitcher I'm most excited to see in the big leagues, hopefully next year, maybe late next year. In their system or among pitching prospects? Among all pitching par- prospects. I think he's a really exciting, really exciting prospect. Yeah, he, he could be good. I will toot my own horn for a second here and just say, like, Shane, I never pictured Shane Boz um, having the kind of season he's had. Uh, and um, it's extremely convincing. Like, he's, I, playing Dynasty has deepened my understanding and appreciation for how difficult some of the minor league levels are. Like, the sing, single A and, and double A, even are full of guys who are like, you know, striking out 14 batters over nine and sub two ERA, et cetera, et cetera. And then the triple A is what breaks them in the end. Mm. If you can do what Boz has done against triple A competition, you have like serious talent. I'm extremely excited to watch him. I couldn't help but notice you're getting a good start from uh, Dylan Cease this evening. Um, I know he's been one of the guys who you've been, touting a bit in our group chat. He's had a couple of rough starts here and there, um, but he's an exciting player to, to watch going forward, I would say. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i toot my horn again on Cease. Um, you know, Cease in this version is still like a very unpredictable um, pitcher. And I think he's like, I think he's a very, like, it's a mental thing. Um, you know, he has sometimes his confidence issues are like palpable. Um, and when he's confident, uh, out there, he's, you know, he, he really, his stuff looks better. Um, Cease was so bad for the, for the last couple of years. And I just, you know, put this like super generic and, and uninteresting analysis, uh, on it that like, there's a ton of velocity and spin on his four seam fastball. He needs to fix his release point and it'll start riding, um, and and could be like a high strikeout pitch and the new pitching coach in chicago did exactly that this offseason and and fixed and really unlocked him and it's been fun to watch i mean his stuff is you know lightning in a bottle i know you were uh, very nicely commenting my potential front three in the rotation but a front three of walker bueller uh trevor rogers who i love in in uh, corbin burns is something to that, you know, I'm very jealous of, so kudos there. Yeah, thanks. It, it runs deep. I mean, I've got, uh, uh, you know, Kershaw Kershaw has got the elbow thing now. That's that's a real wild card for next season, and he's generally, you know, 
there is a lack of enthusiasm about Kershaw, I think, and, and it's sort of overshadowed the fact that as he's lost velocity, he's still been able to be an extremely effective pitcher. Like, that's special. You know, CC Sabathia was so was great, and he just could not, you know, handle losing some of his uh, some of his stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I feel like that's sort of my that's where I focus all of my energy, and I feel like that's my skill yeah, as a Kershaw is still top fifty fantasy performer this year. That's insane. Yeah, after missing you know, what a month and a half at this point, crazy. Yeah, he's yeah he's incredible. He's been over overshadowed, but I still think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer and, and one of the best pitchers ever. Absolutely. Well, that seems like a good place to uh, maybe wind things down uh, on this Friday evening. We can go out to the nightclub. Yeah, Mass. yeah, we're gonna go uh, get get COVID from some strangers. <laughs> um, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, thank you, uh, thank you very much again to Carlo for sharing all that insight and, and being such a uh, fun member of the league yeah great thanks carla that was that was awesome all right well we will try to do this again uh real soon uh but in the meantime uh continue enjoying a lot uh, end of the season um and uh, we'll check in again later all right the old shit, all the